we are going to start in John 2 tonight. Um, and so you can turn to, actually, page 12. I thought I'd tell you guys a little experience that I had, which was sort of interesting. Um, I think many of you know that I've been <laughs> struggling to memorize Isaiah 53. Still? Um, still. <laughs> I've got, yeah, it's sort of interesting. I, I do have down pretty much all the verse. I pretty much have it all down. But what's hard is getting... The right order? The right order. It's very hard, the flow in Isaiah 52. Because it just doesn't really... It skips around. Yeah, it skips all around. Just it, It's hard to go, what comes next? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm still like working on that part. One day, maybe I'll try to go for it and see if we, I get all down. But I have one of my first experiences of, by memorizing something like that, how, you, how I start picking up things as I read um, mm. in the scripture from things from Isaiah 53. Mm. And this one that I picked up, it's interesting because I, I never, if you look at cross-references, if you look at commentaries, it's like I go, no one's picking this up. Okay, I'm not sure why. You think even about, you think, expect you to like, if you have a Bible that has cross-references, you expect like a little number there and say, oh, this refers to Isaiah um, 53.9. And so Isaiah 53, 9 says, And they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. And so as I'm reading John, up at the top of page 12, it says on 47, it says, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no, no deceit. deceit. Mm. I'm going, bing! You know, I start looking up. I expect there to be cross-references. I expect someone to say something, and there's nothing. And yet that word, deceit, only occurs here in all of John. Yeah. And we're going to see that John doesn't quote the Old Testament very much, but when he does, it's almost always Isaiah. Um, so even though, obviously, this does not refer directly to Jesus... It's just interesting that the same word is used. And then I looked to find out that that word for deceit in Greek is the exact same word that's used in the Septuagint of the Old Testament for that same word in Isaiah 53. I'm like, okay, well, that's sort of cool, but no one else thinks it's cool. (laughs) Anyway, that's one of the things that I'm seeing as you memorize. I haven't had that experience really for a long, long time. Um, So it's just sort of neat to see that. Anyway, that was just sort of a side note. Um, so we're going to take a look at the wedding at Cana today, which really begins Jesus' first year of ministry. And so in John, this is where John starts Jesus' ministry. You know, if you take a look at the other Gospels, they will start at different places. In John, he starts it by talking about this wedding in Cana. So, Can I say something about yes. Nathaniel? Uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah. Um, I was reading this today and something kind of jumped up because mm-hmm. I think that was pretty fascinating. You find Nathaniel's no, nobody, and he, but Jesus knew him. I saw you under the fig tree. Uh-huh, but right. he said, in whom there's no deceit. And it's like, wow. So Jesus knew his heart, heart. from before, beforehand and miraculously. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
And he's saying that this guy is really a good guy. <laughs> really. But you know what Nathaniel said before that? Oh, no. I don't think I... No. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. huh? Exactly. It's kind of a I slam. mean, that's borderline. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe... He's being judgmental. Right? Yeah, He's maybe being judgmental the reason why sarcastic. Maybe the reason and Jesus is saying, in whom there is no God. <laughs> He's saying no deceit, so maybe he's saying, well, Nathaniel, I mean, Nathaniel's telling the truth. He's not, there's no deceit, and he's telling what his heart says, which is there's nothing good coming out of it. Oh. You know? You know he's what saying what his heart... Right. So Nathaniel's speaking from his heart. He's not, it's not in, it's not being deceptive. Mm -hmm. But I'm just throwing that out. I, I mean, that's I what, yeah. So that's what deceit means. That means you're just deceit. frank. Right, you're so deceit means like you're hiding something, you're you're deceiving someone, you mean one thing, but what you're What if you're planning a bank robbery and you tell everybody? <laughs> <laughs> you, you probably would not pull off the bank robbery. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not trying to twist words. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like how you brought that up, though, Tom. I, I was, like, um, getting ready to do this section with the kids and youth group. And I was reading this commentary slash, like, book that just asked some questions about John. And it brought up, like, exactly that. Of, like, this idea of, like, so Nathaniel, you know, says, like, can anything good come out of Galilee? And he's just, like, their take on it, which I'm not saying this is right or wrong, it's just their take. But I kind of like it. It's like he's just openly sharing his heart. And it's, like, this idea of, like, when we openly share our heart, with God or just like in general, that's when we could actually like experience the growth. Um, and it's kind of cool because it's like, it exposes him because like similar to us of like, you know, he hears all these things about Jesus and John the Baptist who has a good reputation is saying these things about Jesus. And like, it's like such a human response of like looking for something possibly wrong in it. Right. Cause mm -hmm. there's no, like there's nothing bad on Jesus's reputation or that's going to like throw him off. His response like, oh, what, what, what good things can come out of, uh, what good, yeah, what good things can come out of Nazareth? But like, I was like, oh, what, what a, like a, a parallel to us? Like, how many times have I like, when someone's doing something good or? Well, you know, Nazareth didn't have a very good reputation, right? Apparently, at those times, right? But yeah. it, it, and it, like, I just saw such a parallel in my life of like, how many times have I like, when someone's doing something you, even for the Lord and maybe they don't have a good reputation or maybe they come from an area that's like, oh, like I'm not into that area or like whatever bias I've had, like, oh, like, is that really, is that really a good thing? Yeah. Yeah. So you said about, about Nazareth, why do you think this person would, why do you think he would say nothing good comes out of Nazareth? Why do you think Nazareth would have that reputation? Is there any other scripture that tells us? I don't think so directly. No. Um, but there is there is a reason. Because it's not just Nazareth. It's going to be where we start the story at, too. Because anybody know where Nazareth is? Is it on the Sea of Galilee? No. No. But it's close. So it's sort of like close to the Sea of Galilee, which means it's in northern Israel. Which means if you're a Jew from Jerusalem, which are the real Jews... Um, you're close to Samaria, and you're close to Galilee, which is where you have all this mix of everybody, 
And most of those people, like in Galilee, are Greek anyway. The ones that are Jews up there, a lot of times, are mixed with Samaritans. Mm. And so you end up having anything out of, it, it, it's, you know, sort of snob, a little bit of snobbery, but it's like sort of saying anything out of Laguna Beach, oh, you're not really a Laguna Beach person, you know? So well, it means they weren't real pure Jews. Thing. Yeah, exa- right, exactly. Because mm. they would live in, primarily live in, by Jerusalem. I read somewhere, and I... I that there was more a criminal element to hmm. Nazareth. Hmm. And maybe that, I don't know. Yeah, could be that too. And that, yeah, I don't know if there's anything in Scripture that, so it says, but I do know it's not, you know, it's, it's where do they expect people to come from? I mean, where's David from? He's from the house of bread, which is Bethlehem, which is close to um, Jerusalem. Um, so, yeah. All right. Uh, who wants to read? Who wants to read? I'm going to read 2-1 to 2-11. All right. Okay. Why don't you do that? And as we're doing again, just like we do, we've been doing, just as you're hearing it, try to see if there's anything you're picking up, just mm-hmm. this, on this first reading that just sort of sticks out at you. Okay. Um... On the third day was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some wine out, and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called to the bridegroom, and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This this the first of the signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Shake your head there, Tom. <laughs> No, it's just a hard shift. It's just, it's a hard shift from from the previous first chapter to now all of a sudden. Uh-huh. Mom's involved. Disciples are there. You know. <laughs> yeah, and um, he does his first miracle. And um, I've even seen in productions I've done that do whatever he tells you is almost a humorous thing. Just ignore what he says and just do what mom tells you to do. You know, kind of but, um, but that was just it. It was just seemed to be abrupt, abrupt, mm-hmm. and uh, there's no flow into it from the previous, other than you know talking about Nathaniel and some others. But it just seemed to he calls the disciples, but just yeah. Um, anyway, that's. that's awesome. 
So you could say there is a flow, but this is where the debate is. So if you take a look at 129, um, after we have the testimony of John the Baptist, yeah, you notice that it says in verse 29, the next day. So you see you have this whole thing about John the Baptist. And then you have, on verse 29, you see it says the next day on page 8. And then if you go over to page 10, Jesus calls his first disciples the next day again. And then you have Jesus calls Philip and Nathaniel the next day Jesus decided. Okay, that's where I missed it all. Yeah, but that's where sort of the debate comes in, too, because then you have, then you would think, okay, well... I mean, how many days is that? I'll be tracking with that, and then you get to chapter two, and it says on the third day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, which day is that? I mean, a lot of debate around that. But um, anyway, so there's he's trying to tie some things together by this day thing. But um, yeah. My question: It, it, it says uh, the mother of Jesus was there, mm-hmm. and then she. It's like. If she's directing the wine, it it seems to me like she's hosting the wedding. Okay. So, Uh I don't... Good. Yeah. So, anybody know how long a wedding traditionally took took in that time period? 24 hours or so. Or more than... Seven days. Seven days? More than 24 hours. So a wedding would usually be over a period of a week, okay, which is part of the reason why you see this problem that we're having. But it would be over a period of a week that they would be celebrating. Weddings were huge for Jews, and they would celebrate them. It was like so you know, they served almost, almost as yeah, if but exactly. the wedding was already happening by chapter two. I don't know. Yeah. Could, well, it could be. We don't know when. It doesn't really say, are you in the middle of the wedding? Yeah. Well, but we can sort of assume, AJ, we can sort of assume Yay. we're moving on in the wedding mm-hmm. because of what's happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so they this wedding would be like over, over seven days, roughly, and they would be responsible, the family, the people hosting it, which sometimes it's a couple, the, 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 the um, bride and the groom's family, they're responsible for these seven days keeping everybody happy <laughs> with food and festivities and keeping the whole thing joyous. Quite a chore. Yeah, quite a chore. I mean, you, we know how much it costs for a wedding today. <laughs> All right. Try doing that for seven days. Um, Good business. Yeah. You yeah. know, something that supports you your long time. Yeah, it just um, if you take a look, that that's a, a, that is the a, amount of wine. That well, the amount because of seven days is known. Yeah, mm-hmm. because yeah. there mm-hmm. are six jars with thirty gallons. Yes, each. exactly. One hundred and eighty gallons. A lot of wine. So think of you know, a jug of water that you buy at the market, a gallon, one hundred eighty. It feel like a two car garage. The floor. Yeah. One hundred eighty. Party time. <laughs> so there's some stuff about wedding, you know, that's going on. It gives you some context. Another thing, Jesus, on. who's kind of important, he's got some things to do. Mm-hmm. Come on, Jesus, we're invited to this wedding. I don't got seven days. <laughs> and well, we don't really I mean, know when he showed up, day? right? Maybe he showed up 
The people didn't go home, they just stayed. Well, oh, that's true. The wine ran out. Might have been on the sixth day that he arrived. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't really say, does it? Um, okay, I got another one. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'll shut up. No, this is good. This is what we're doing. There's a master of the feast, and yes. there's the bridegroom. And the bridegroom is like, to me, a magic word, because Jesus is the bridegroom throughout Scripture. He yes. talks of himself that way in his parables, right? Yes. So... He's not the bridegroom here because he's not going to want to get married. Right. So there it's is a his time, yeah. There is a bridegroom mm -hmm. there, a young man getting married. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering when the master, who's the master of the feast in metaphor? Because we're saying the bridegroom is Jesus in metaphor. So who's the master of the feast? Is it God? I guess if you're trying to do a meta metaphor, I would probably assume maybe that's who you'd be the master of the feast. In that case, I mean, this isn't a parable, but you can definitely take these things as symbols of something else. So in that case, I don't know. What do you guys think? I would think that could be the master of the feast. Yeah. Anybody else? What else do you? Anybody else? You guys see stuff? Um. Yeah, I, I have something I've been like start like not struggling with, but like working through with this mm -hmm. the last few days, and. It, was just, it just seems like actually kind of a unique miracle how it happens. So, like, the things I was noticing is, like, so he does it at a wedding, which is, like, it's somewhat of a private event. It's not just for the masses. And that made that my time has not yet come part seem actually to make a little bit more sense. Uh-huh. Because this first act he does is, like, way less public than, let's say, like, when he feeds the masses. Right. Um, or when he, like when he does some of the healings and, and things like that. So at first I was like so confused why it says like my time has not yet come, but then it starts to make sense to me. Cause even within like the private context of the wedding, he only reveals this miracle to like a select few. And it seems important to me again, there's, there's not, I don't have like some reference to back up besides what's in the scripture right here of like though the servants who had drawn the water knew. I think it's very interesting how he, like, reveals himself just, like, to the most low people. Very good. At the wedding. Well, that's, so he, like, that's very intentional. Very good. Uh-huh. And so he's, like, doing this miracle, and really, like, the servants are the ones who, like, experience this firsthand and see who he is, which mm -hmm. is cool, because it's, like, it's, like, the last will be first type of thing. Right. And, like, the lowest, like, are important in the kingdom of God. Always. Mm. And, and then not only that, like, he, it totally deflects attention from him in the eyes of, like, who man would typically want the attention of, right? Like, man would typically, like, love for, like, the groom to make some announcement, or, right? Or, like, the, the people who are really high up in the wedding, oh, look what Jesus did for us. So the way he does it is just, like, it shows his divinity, but yet it's, like, a, amazingly humble. Yeah. And is this something tied to... Is this reminding me of the wedding banquet? Some people see that illusion. That it could be something that ties to like a wedding banquet, and you go back to and because of the to have wine, an yeah, and there's that parable about that. Yeah. So some people do see that illusion. Yeah, yeah. You say illusion. 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 I mean, see a connection potentially to that. Mm -hmm. Okay, is there could be a connection to that? Uh, I'm just saying some people read that and see that connection. Um, yeah. So when you said, Chad, about the next day, oh, not the next day, but the hour has not yet come, 
So think of the context here. We're going to hear that term as we go through John. The hour has not yet come. Mm -hmm. This is the very first time we hear that, which is also the very first act of his ministry. Mm-hmm. So you're starting that we're looking at the first year of Jesus' ministry, according to John. Mm-hmm. And then that, so we're at the very beginning, and in this, he is, it is very sort of under the cover, not very many people see it. You're saying about who sees it, but you're going to see this theme going through John. The hour has not yet come, the hour has not yet come, and then finally, what's going to happen? Comes. The hour has yeah. come. Are you saying that this is like a some metaphor? Not so much metaphor, but he's using, he's saying this. The wedding so, did not yet come. So think of life as Jesus is what? What we're saying, 30 years old? Okay, he's going to start his ministry. So this is the beginning of his ministry. So up until this point, no one really knows who Jesus is. He's not done any kind of miracles. He's not done anything. Now he starts his ministry. Now things start Becoming like people are going, hmm, what's going on with that? Hmm, what's going on with that? See, this is like the beginning of that. And John sort of uses that phrase to tie things together in John, among many other things, to get that idea across that Jesus is getting closer and closer. And he's saying, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. It's not time yet. And then we're going to get to the point where he actually says, it's now the time. But it seems to me here his mother knows... Or does his mother know? She, she, I've, she's expecting she's a miracle. Yeah, yeah, she's asking yeah. him to do something that he's not. That's right. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. That's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. We know from Scripture that, well, the Annunciation, so she was told by God that she's going to have the Messiah. So yeah. she had that at birth. But what other confirmations had she had after that? He was a good kid. He never, you know. Right. He, went, he went into the temple in Jerusalem and impressed the scribes and Pharisees when he was a young man. So that, that kind of wowed mom. And, and that was at how old? Seven or twelve. 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 And then, and, and, then, then, and then from Scripture, we don't have anything else. Exactly. Nothing else. So, nothing until here. So yes. you had was Jesus. Was in, we learned 30, from the last years. chapter that Jesus was in the crowd when John, John was preaching. You were bringing that up last week. Well, he may have been. It, it pretty much says that in here. And, and so Mary's probably there. Uh, yeah, his mom. And, and so she heard John the Baptist say, there goes, you know, the Messiah. So she, she, she went, oh boy. You know, confirmation. And then three or four days later, the wedding. So she's testing her son. She's going, okay, show your stuff. Tom, show your what stuff. you don't know is that growing up, he would turn her water into wine every night. We don't, <laughs> we don't know that, though. We have no idea. But clearly she knew he was capable of turning the water into wine. And she also knew... Where do you get that idea? Because the never, issue was there was no He had never performed any miracles. Yeah, he's never performed day. a miracle yet. We don't have any How do information. How you know he never performed a miracle? I'm just We're, saying... All we know is what's in the scriptures. Right, exactly. Okay, and right. what is written in the scripture, we are allowed... To look at and go, well, gosh, his mother sure was confident in his ability. She also knew he was a good boy and would honor her mother, even though he said, "Hey, woman, this has nothing to do with me. It's not my time yet." She said, she turned to the the servants and, ignoring what he just said, and said, "Do whatever he says." 
knowing he was going to obey her and do it, and she knew without a shadow of a doubt that he was able to do something. Well, you, okay, I, you're I, making a lot of assumptions. What you of just, course. What right. you just said there is great <laughs> and, and factual. Right. So we're making a lot of assumptions, right. but, but... But for you to assume that he performed a lot of miracles around the house when he was a kid nope, is out no. of bounds. It's not out of bounds. Totally out of bounds. Not out of bounds. No justification. <laughs> Super not out of bounds. <laughs> I know it makes you feel good, so go with it. No, it's just because his life during that time is not addressed. Right. That's and that's why we just... So well, we don't know. And I think... I but, think, but, but right. to say he was in the crowd. She did all these other things to do that. That's no more, that's no less of a question. Yes. Okay. That's I believe. Of and there is one among you. He is among you. That doesn't mean he's right, right. there. So you guys are, yeah, so that's good. I mean, just again, that I think we're making a good point here between the things that we do know and don't know. Correct. I mean, ultimately we know what this says. There's a lot of assumptions. It's like I was watching five People have been bugging me to watch The Chosen, okay? And I'm not, so I finally watched it. And I was telling, I think I was telling the staff, that the thing that was fascinating me about it is, is that about 90% of what you see in The Chosen is stuff that we have no idea whether it ever happened or not. They're right. doing all the backstories of stuff. Right. Which, okay, this is nice, but... You want to go, I mean, the scripture has, is inspired to make certain points, and there's things it's not saying. And so we always just have to keep those very separate, so we can see things and go, well, we have no idea what he did from 12 to 30. Zero. Right. So we can think about that, but I mean, what we really have is what's happening right now at the beginning of his ministry. The point is, John's saying his ministry starting, we're going to start it with a, what? How's he going to start his ministry, according to John? Is Jesus going to start his Yeah, ministry? how's he going to start his ministry? We're seeing it right here. His ministry starts by... Having a party. Right. Getting everyone drunk. <laughs> yeah, okay. So right. what, what's interesting here is on the third day. Right. Okay. So the, on the third day, there was a wedding. Uh-huh. That's interesting. And then there are these vessels that he's filling with water that are turning to wine, which also happens to be the color more or less of blood. That he's taking something that was empty, filling it with water, which is something, and giving it a new life. And he's emptying, having the servants empty that out, give it to the master too. So, I feel like there's a ton of very purposeful symbolism in that story. Mm. And there is, I think, some symbolism. I will, I'll challenge you to go find the connection between wine and blood. Um, not that you have to do that right now, but just see if you can find that connection okay. in Scripture. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, you, that's, that, that's the Last Supper. This is my blood shed mm -hmm. for you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good, mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's um, a connection. Yeah. Can I read yeah. something? Sure, and all the communion. Yeah, then I want... Yeah. Old Testament, New Testament, talking grapes, all that. Everything. Yeah, all that. right. Yes. Now, this is, you know, John the Baptist is being confronted by the Pharisees, and John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Mm -hmm. That to your point about Jesus being But again, God. you're taking it literal at that very moment. He could be wow. saying one thing <laughs> among you. Right? I am taking it 
literal at that he's, moment. But he's speaking to, to he's speaking to Jews specifically. He's right. speaking to the Pharisees and all that were bugging him. That's right. But yeah. he's, that, that doesn't that literally time, mean that, that he's right there. That could mean he's among you. Yeah. Okay. So we're not going to argue that anymore. <laughs> Move on. Yeah. <laughs> Point is, it doesn't matter. Yeah. He's he's yeah, although I mean what he's doing it, is it, like it matters if you if you say I'm wrong. No, I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> you what said, I'm saying you said is, I was wrong, saying no. that Jesus was there. No, I'm not. You no. did five minutes ago. Tom, Matt, just be what careful what you say. No, okay. I didn't, I'm not the least okay, bit of okay. or pissed. I'm really not. <laughs> what I'm saying is that assumption is no different than my assumption. So that the point is that it's, it's a, it doesn't okay. matter. So let's just move on, okay? <laughs> Points made, okay? So, Bruce. Well, I'm, I'm reading... We were talking about the Master of the Feast being um, God. Possibly, yes. Yeah, well, but it says here that he didn't know where it came from, and, and right. God would have known where it, the wine came from. Yeah. And I so, think that's a little bit of a stretch to say we don't know if if the Master of the Feast... This isn't a parable. If it was a parable, right. you might make that assumption. What Tom was saying, which is good, you got the bridegroom, which does make the connection. Okay. So you just you have some symbolism to it. Some things we can sort of figure out, some we can't. Um, it's, so interesting, you, it's interesting, too, that the bridegroom is the one responsible for supplying the wine. Yeah. I mean, what? Well, it didn't fam- happen today. So, yeah, so the, so in that whole family, that the whole family is responsible for keeping this sort of party going, which includes the bridegroom's family, too. So the bridegroom's going to also be concerned because it was a huge deal back then is if you, if the family ran out of wine, as an example, or food, but they ran out, ran out of wine here, um, that can shame the family, all right? And and so it's a big deal. It's a big deal that they're, like, you're having a big party, and you're inviting all these people, mm-hmm. but you're not able to supply what you need to keep it going. Um, they were shamed for that. Well, family. Was, speaking of the chosen, this... this, this uh yeah, I've seen a scene in the show. So. This episode, yeah. So they de- they show that other parents are super wealthy and very snooty and right. very picky. Right. And so the the folks handling the wine were were going to be heavily embarrassed. Right. Yeah. They they took this scene and yeah. went with it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anybody else? The, uh, it, yeah. It seems to me like the wine is a metaphor for Jesus. Okay. All right. Well, it's just part of this, this purification. So you're saying that kind of what your summation is, first year of Jesus' ministry, his first miracle, um, his time had not yet come, which will be a common uh, theme we'll see through it until until the time comes. Right. Um, Tying back the bridegroom, um, as him always giving parables of the bride and the bridegroom and adultery and marriage to Israel and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, was there anything else that, I, that we're missing? Well, so a couple things. One is, so one of the things all of you have done so far, it's interesting, actually listen to you, is all of you have used a word that speaks to what Jesus is doing here that is never used by John. Miracle? Miracle. Right. Okay. So what's what's what John does is something that's very different than the other three gospels. John really sets himself apart from the other three gospels. 
John never uses the word miracle. But the same things that happen in John that are also happening in the Gospels that John records are recorded and the term used is miracle. Okay? But never once does the word miracle happen in John. What is the word instead? What's the word that's used in John instead of miracle? This is going to be also something we're going to see through John. John has these threads, you know, to sort of keep things to start going, that he signs. puts together. Hmm? Signs. Signs, exactly. So if you take a look at the last verse we read, verse 11, this is the, what? The first of the signs Jesus did. So there you also see, this is like the beginning of his ministry. This is the first thing he did to start showing that I'm somewhat different. But the word is used, signs. Mm. Okay. Why sign? Why do you think John would choose to use the word sign versus just a miracle? Because they were, they were, they were looking to determine his divinity in the fact that he was the Messiah. And it was a sign that, that they, the disciples, used to clarify. So what's the difference between, if you think of the, think of the word miracle, when you think of a miracle, and think of the word sign. Okay. What, when you think of the word sign, what do you, what do you think of when you think of a sign? Like showing you a direction. Okay. All right. Direction or instruction. Very good. So, like a direction. Okay. So think of a. So you're driving down the road, and you see a sign. Right. What does the sign do? Gives you instruction. Stop. Right. Go. Turn. Right. It it prepares you. Right. Where you are. For what's good. But that what is going to happen. Mm -hmm. All right. So when you think of a miracle, a miracle tends to be more. He did a miracle, boom. He did a miracle, boom. He did a miracle, you know. A sign that John is using, the way John's using the word sign, and probably the reason why he's using it, is a sign refers to something that has meaning right now, but it points to something else. It mm -hmm. points to something else that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so, sign is becomes like the thread, so... People look at John and they say, you know, how did John organize his gospel? Well, one of the ways he's organized his gospel is through the use of signs. Mm. And so these signs are designed to not just be, oh, Jesus did a miracle and that proves who he is. But this is a sign, which gets to what you guys are doing. You're thinking sign. Ooh, you're thinking ahead. <laughs> Okay. Did they? Um, Does that make sense? Were That's they looking for a sign from John the Baptist? Because a sign of Elijah and a sign of a prophet right. could be that this is a this is the Messiah coming. Yes. Right. Right. Okay. I think the point here is really John is using the term ex very explicitly to get across a point when he tells a story. He's trying to get you to not just see. Here's this thing that happened, but he's getting you to try to see how this thing that happened is going to tie to something. It's not greater. a moment in time thing that occurred. Right. It's a greater... It did. Yes. But, but it's a greater thing that points mm. forward. Okay. Did, did Luke and all those other guys say miracle? 
They use miracle. They never use the word sign. They, they've used, they use the word sign, but not in the same way John does. They never use it to replace a miracle. Okay. They use the word miracle instead. All right. Does that, am I making sense? Yeah. yeah. Sure. I think if you use the, think of this, if you use the word sign, mm -hmm. you could put the word that after it. Sign that. Yes. Sign that he's the Messiah. If you use miracles, miracle that, it doesn't quite work. Sure. The sign, if you use the word sign, it's saying this is a sign that he's the Messiah. Yeah. Or sign. You're saying it's yes. a road sign saying what's going to come next. Yeah. They're different. It, well, what I, actually, it's sort of both. This was sign. It's both saying this is a sign that something's happening right now, like he's <clears throat> Messiah. But it's also a sign that points to something. Yeah. Well, verse more to what, come. Okay, more to come. So it's like, what do you do when you see a sign? It makes you aware. Okay, it might even make you slow down. <laughs> okay, to prepare for verse. something else that's coming up. So verse, it's sort of doing both. Verse right. eleven. This the first of his signs. And yes. manifested his glory. Yeah, yeah. Very, very that's, good. That's what I was going to just, just yeah. ask about. Now, any other... So go ahead. Well, hold on from you for that. Did you have a question about that? Or you just no, it just... Uh, I mean, that just further um, amplifies what he's done and what's, what's to come. What's happening with the sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So there's like this unfolding this happening. So John's like, yeah, John's like, like, how do you want to say? Well, I'm trying to think of what's a good illustration. Like you're opening something up, you know, you're just like going, whoa, you're, or you're putting a puzzle together, and these pieces are coming together, and you're going, wow, I'm starting to see this. And John's sort of doing that all the way through his gospel, creating these things that tie everything together. Should I? Um, so did. Uh, in the other Gospels, do they speak of manifesting glory like that? No, not in the same way John is. All right. And when we hear this, I don't think you were here for this, but so when you when you guys, if first couple nights, we first couple weeks, we talked about John, and we were going through the what? The prologue, okay? Mm -hmm. I said, what happens in the prologue? <laughs> so the same thing here. The prologue does what? In John. Sets up the, the story that's right. up about what's going to happen. Exactly. So in the prologue, you have the setup, and then all of a sudden you're going to see it all come to fruition. So, did we see glory in the prologue? So if you're trying to be thinking about it, you should, in some ways I'm going to say, as you're reading John, read the prologue. Before you read anything in John, read the prologue, go read what you're going to read. Read the prologue, go read what you're going to read. You can just see that he's going to start unfolding this. And this is a very good example. Everybody remember in the prologue where you see glory? Yeah, verse 14. Yeah, so go and read that. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Yeah. And in 12, he says, who believes in his name, and after uh, the glory here, and the disciples believed in him. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, mm. good. And it says the same thing at the end of that, the, the, the disciples believed. Yeah, which we're all saying, so that, that's good, you saw that, Bruce. Something occurs to me, Greg, is like, I started to read like a little bit of Mark, like, um... 
like in conjunction with this. Mm-hmm. And like what really occurs is like it it just seems to me like I feel really strong that John tells us like the personality of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But even in ways like this of like calling but he's doing signs rather than miracles. And then this, like, escalation of not only, like, what he does, but, like, what he says. Mm-hmm. I think really, to me, like, paints a picture of, like, a way more personable Jesus. And, like, his mm-hmm. really gives us his personality more, right? Because it's, like, he understands almost, like, our limitations and tendencies as humans. Of Like, I think it would just hit so differently if, like, he came and the first thing he did was get resurrected from the <laughs> dead, right? Right. But, like, instead he does this, like... He, like, does things in a way that people could kind of track and grasp with him and wrestle. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, I just feel like it's, like, no different relationship. Like, or it's no different than any other relationship. Like, when you first establish a relationship with them, someone, you're not going to say the most personal, yeah. intimate, oh, like, point. biggest thing good about point. you. is like, he almost yeah. is, like, looking at his disciples, like, as his relationship and as they're, like, continuing to pursue him. He's sharing more and more and more and doing more. Uh-huh. And they're getting more of who he is, I guess, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I think, like, the whole thing, like, part of this whole thing with, like, the reason the miracles are in the order in in John and, like, the reason he escalates things is, like, really, like, to relate to people. Yeah. I think it's really good. Really good. Yeah. And so you keep, actually, the word believe in can be read the word into that he believes that you could read it as, um, where's that? You just read that. Um, and manifest and his disciples believed into him, which also is another way of sort of saying, like, almost like what you're saying, Chad, that you see these things that the belief, remember, what was the theme we said at the very beginning of all John is we, I wrote these things that you may believe and keep believing. Right? So you see here, the disciples believe into him. You're going to see it happens over and over again. There's this, like, constant, like, you're getting a deeper relationship, I guess, like you're saying. That's how I can see the word believe there. It starts Um, solidifying their belief as they continue to walk with him. Yeah. And being more established and rooted in, like, well, okay, if he did that, then... Well, and then you're just continuing to deeply get intimate. Yeah. yeah. Can you address the manifesting, manifested as glory? Uh huh. Get into that a little bit? Sure. Go. (laughs) 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 Oh my god. (laughs) Manifest your glory. So, glory in scripture has some different meanings, but I would say I would probably probably the way I would summarize it is that, well, in fact, I can tell you the word manifest, let me see if I have this, I have this somewhere. Um, I think this is just super important to get that down. Well, the glory thing is huge. Um, So, the word glory has sort of three meanings, and I'd say it's the last one that's most of what John's getting across, so it means luminosity, So brightness of something, okay? So luminosity is one meaning of glory. Another meaning is weightiness, heaviness of something. The last one is essence. More of 
really goes a little along what Chad just said. Glory is a revealing of God of who he really is. The fullness of who he is. Like revelation. So with, yeah, revelation. So Jesus, it's it, in some ways a little bit like what Chad said. It's like how, the, as God reveals his glory, he's, it's like for us, it's like the presence of him and showing who he is. And who Jesus is, is one who reveals the glory of who? God. God, the Father. All right? So what we're going to see through John again is that John's going to be starting to get show us how what Jesus is doing throughout is going to get more and more intense as Jesus is more and more revealing, you look at me and you see the Father. But not just in just the sense of see, but just in the sense of the whole fullness of the glory of God. So, it goes all the way back to Exodus, when God reveals himself in the glory. It talks about the glory in there. So, it's, it's, the, I, it's the intensity of God's very being, being made known to his people, is the best I could do with glory. It's, yeah. The, the manifesting component. Yeah, it's making known. Manifesting, made, it's making known something. So yeah, it says it's, that in the yeah. Greek, it's making it clear or yeah. plain or evident. There you go. Yep. Yeah. So the manifesting is unveiling, pulling back of the presence of our glory. Is like it's it's sort of like it's sort of like this, right? It's like here it's just light. If I use luminance, it's sort of like here I am. I don't see much as I'm starting to go like this. That's manifesting more and more of what this is. So, it's basically so more. Up, up till the night might be wrong here. So. Uh-huh. so, is it correct that up to this point, John the Baptist said, "This is this is the guy," right? But up to this point, Jesus hadn't revealed himself. That so this was right. the first time he had manifested his glory, he right. had demonstrated who he actually was in his divinity. Correct. And that's the way John's running out. This is right. the very first sign. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're going to see that there are multiple signs that are going to happen all the way through like John chapter 11, I think. But I mean, it seems like not just the first like kind of miraculous sign or something, but the first time he had really probably given his disciples something. A said, sense of like, here's who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Which is why, what's the response to the glory of God? What's Isaiah's response when he saw God? Right. Dropped. Exactly. He's in the presence of God, and he just fully sees who he is. And here, what's the response? The response is one of belief. I, like, believe, I know, I see. This is who this is. Um. So he like that again in John 14 that he manifests himself mm-hmm. to him. Yeah, we're going to see it. We're going to see it sort of like, we're going to see it quite a few times. And it's very much related to him doing these signs that that glory gets manifested. It's like, I would you did like the, it's like an eclipse that's showing over, a little over time more and more of the, yeah. the sign, but S-O-N. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, that's why even, I guess you guys were all like, we were all, you know, thinking, what do these things mean? 
So when you read on here, on the beginning, on the third day, and we realize that the other ones were just the next day, the next day, the next day, and all of a sudden you hear about the third day, what does that do? What, what do you think when you hear that? Tease you up. <laughs> what does it tee you up for? Resurrection. Exactly. Exactly. And so I think John is very purposefully doing that here. He's saying on the third day, team you up for that. Because the next thing we're going to see is he's going to talk about the temple. And he's going to say the temple's going to be gone. But on the third day it will. Mm-hmm. And, and you can imagine, because John wrote this well after Christ's right. death. Right. So he's recounting and going through his notes and going, probably going, that was the you know, it probably all came together for him, too. All the docs got connected, and he's like, oh, my goodness. Right. We were witness to something so much more symbolic yep. and amazing than we even knew at the time. Yeah. Which I think is hard for me to remember, too, is, like, I, I read it. Like, it's almost fun to, like, read this and try and put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. Just like, oh, who is this guy? Oh, certainly. He, he just does this. Because yeah. like, a lot of times I, I'll read it from the, oh, yeah, I know he, I know what he's going to do next. Like, he's Jesus. It's so much more shocking if you're just these guys and, he, and all these crazy signs start to happen. Yeah, and think yeah. about how skeptical we are right now, right? Right. you got to really prove who you are over a long period of time before we're going to really, yeah. you know, trust you. And yeah. I think that what Chad says is really good, because we've talked about this a couple of weeks before you were here, but really John wrote, you know, you have these other Gospels. The Gospels were more narrative accounts getting down like a news, like, this is what happened, okay? John has a different intention, okay? He, and he feels he has a different perspective. Yeah, different perspective, exactly. And he's got a different purpose on what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. He's, and he, we saw this, you know, he tells us the purpose, <laughs> you know? It's really nice because at least he tells us why he's doing this, <laughs> all right? And he actually tells us why. Now, Jesus did many other signs. <laughs> this is the end of John, right? There it is. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Okay, So right there we see there's a whole lot of things we don't know about. But these that we're reading, why are we reading this? These are written so that you may, pistis, you may believe, put your faith in, put your allegiance in Jesus the Christ of God, and that by putting your pistis in him, you may have life in his name. So it's not just this initial salvation, but it's this continual, but you just said, relationship. That's what's so awesome about John, is his purpose is that we build our faith, and we experience the glory of the Father through Jesus, as we do this. So can, we, can we back up a little bit on Absolutely. Uh, after this miracle, can the disciples believed, it, they believed into his name, yes. And bef- just before that, and after Nathaniel is bragging his brother, you know, being sarcastic and stuff, then G- he meets Jesus. Where are you reading this? Um, 1 verse 48. Okay, uh-huh. On page 12. Yeah. Nathaniel said to him, How did you know me? Jesus said, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel answered and goes, Rabbi, you're the son of God. Sounds like Peter at the end of... <laughs> All of the experiences well, they went through. Uh-huh. You know, how did he get this epiphany to the theophany? You know? 
This is before the wine or anything. Yeah. Oh, you saw me in her fig tree. Oh, Soundgarden. Like, what? <laughs> I'm asking. What? I don't know. I don't know. But it's, it's obviously doesn't showing. Make, doesn't make it's, sense. it's obviously showing again more of how some of them are starting to figure out who he is. You'll see very big statements in this. What? How would? How, how does yeah. Nathaniel know that he's the son of God at that point? Because Christ allowed him to. Because he had a heart for it and was seeking that truth, and probably had been seeking that truth for a long time. And when he saw him, Christ allowed himself to be transparent. And he knew. It wasn't just because he said, I saw you in a fig tree. Something moved in him that then shifted his consciousness at that moment. Mm. Right? So it's the way God works. Right? Works he in all of us in different ways. Well, I think there's a, I think there's an unfolding here again. I think you're picking. They're not fully necessarily. He might say you're the son of God and declare that, but he might not fully have grasped what does that mean. Yeah, that's not either. that's not thoroughly fleshed out. He just knows it. Right. I think there's these pieces that keep happening. Again, it's like, whoa! I see something. <laughs> you know, I see a little bit about who Jesus is. Um, and he assures him that he will see greater things. Than right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like. Sure, but wait. <laughs> right. So see, heaven opened, and yeah. angels got ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Yeah, that's another mm. strange one. Mm. We haven't talked about that. Have we, we didn't. No, we didn't. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Mm. That's from Daniel seven. That's all I have as a note. I don't know. You guys can go read Daniel's. Well, that's where Son of Man comes in. So there's also this whole thing around Son of God is not necessarily the same. Son of God is not necessarily deity in the sense that we think of. Son of God, um, Son of Man was actually more of a term that would refer to the actual deity of something that you see in Daniel than even the Son of God. Um, who else called themselves the Son of God during the time of Jesus? Son of God was a very common term. Who called themselves Son of God? Anybody know? The Jews? The Pharisees? The Romans. The Romans, yeah. Which Roman? I mean, who? Caesar. Caesar, exactly. Caesar explicitly called himself, and people had to address him as the Son of God. Really? So here you actually have a little bit of also this unfolding that, oh my gosh, that's why you end up having Jesus partially crucified, is because... In in, in Genesis, he speaks of the sons of... The sons of God were... were, The sons of God, right. The sons of God were the ones that came down and made it with the women. Yes, correct. And et cetera. Right. The Nephilim that had to be the the flood, et cetera. Yeah. So... And then it speaks to us, our inheritance is that of the sons Son of God. Yeah, we're, we're children of God. Yeah. Well, yeah. well can I ask a verse that puzzles us? You'll see heaven opened and the angels yeah, and ascending and descending. Do you think that's the last days? I don't know offhand. Honestly, I don't. It, it, could, to look it at could be. I don't Daniel know. Not, yeah, I'd have to go back and look at Daniel. And I, I, it's a good question. You guys can look that up. I, I'm not sure. Um, not sure what that actually, if that is referring to that, ascending and descending. I'd have to go look. Daniel, what, this, what was your name? Daniel what? 
Uh, one, well, Daniel 7. I have a question mark, so I haven't really looked into that. But it's one, yeah, Daniel 7. Because Daniel 7 is where we hear about the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where you have the prophecy, which again, I would think, like you just said, Tommy, I think that would probably refer more to the end times. Um, possibly, you know, in Daniel 7. Good question. Um, Jason brought up something uh-huh. earlier that uh, it's puzzling. Um, Excellent. Jesus has a has a, pl- a plan of revealing himself. He's God, right? And and his mom yes. uh-huh. abrogates and she redirects that. She has she overrules that. Says, my time's not yet come. She says, well, just do what he says. And then he says, okay, you guys go fill the jugs. Well, so yeah, so, he, so yeah. she changed his will. Mm-hmm. Watch, watch the sequence. Let's look at the sequence. So the sequence is Jesus says to her, his mother, first of all, he calls her woman. All right? That's significant. Mm-hmm. He's going to do that again in 1926, by the way. Woman is not a derogatory term. But what he's saying to his mom probably there is, Mom, you're no longer my, you're no longer in the role of my mom. Oh. Okay? You are now in a different role. Because I'm not addressing you as mother anymore. In fact, he doesn't even address her as mother in, on the cross, which is 1926. So what most people think at this point, that word woman there, he's actually changing her role. He's saying, I'm an adult now. I'm on my own, and guess what? I got something going on here. And so he tells her, he's the one that's in control. He says, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Which it, which it has not yet, okay? His mother, all she says, which is really how we all should respond to Jesus, which is, do whatever he tells you to do. All right? So she's sort of almost being, I want to say, She's recognizing his role, like now you're Lord. Now you, you I disagree a little bit. I just see, I just see a scene. It'd be great in a movie where she's just walking away and she's passing by the servants and she goes, "Do what he tells you to do." Uh She doesn't want Jesus to hear her say that. She's taking a subservient or submission to. I think that's what's happening. I think happening. She's taking more of a submission, and she's now telling. Well, and then she tells the servants. Do whatever he tells you to do, and then Jesus does this. What's interesting is, notice again, like I think Chad brought up, is Jesus is not doing something that's really visible yet. He's doing something that maybe a lot of people didn't even know about, except John knew about it, about this miracle. The other the other Gospels don't even record this. That's right. So this is something probably <clears throat> John knew about that he wanted to make sure we knew about. Um, because... As I think Chad, you're the one that said this, I think, is it's like, who are the people who know what really happened here? No one's really sure. It's really only the servants who actually saw that something happened. And that's it. No one else saw anything. So it wasn't this visible, like, which is the ultimate well, the sign did, at no the way. end? Hmm? The disciples did. Yeah, the disciples did. But not like everybody no, else, yeah, right? So, as we're seeing this not... My time has not yet come. As you're going through John, what's happening is the other Gospels too. People are more and more seeing this stuff live. Feeding of the 5,000. 
the big one of John is Lazarus, the ultimate one, right? You're seeing all these other things taking place that are much more public, but this is very private. Um, yeah. So, is there any scrutiny that this didn't happen or anything weird like that? Well, there always is that. Well, there were other ones. Or always they say, well, we don't know. Right. They were out of wine, and all of a sudden they had a whole lot of wine. More, it's obviously. Right, they just didn't know how they got that wine. You know, what really happened. Which brings up sort of my last point then. Well, not last point, but I mean, in this this whole thing is about this particular sign. About what what does Jesus do actually do? So when you guys think of others, of his miracles and signs... What do you think about? What, what other ones do you mind? Healing. healing? Yeah. Okay. Healing's a baby. So healing. healing is a good one. Any examples you can think of of healing that you did? Blindness, withered hand. Very good. Okay, blindness, withered hands. Sick girl. Sick girl. What what other signs did Jesus do? Bring somebody from the dead to life. Okay, very good. Calm the storm. Calm the storm, excellent. Oh, that's really interesting, because uh, I was wondering if there's another miracle that would involve elements. Mm. Fed, the five yeah. fed, five thousand, did the whole story on the other side. Yep. Very good. More fish was on the other side of the boat. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, Walks on water. Walks on water. Yeah. Increase yeah. the loaves of bread. Yeah, so it's like the feed, feeding. So think about all the ones you just said. Okay. All the ones just throwing out there. Do you see anything different with this sign compared to all those other signs? So here's the sign, and then we have, you guys just named a bunch of other miracle signs, okay? Think about, you, I mean, you just went through them, right? You got the, you got stuff around. The others were public, this one was not. So there, that, there's that. What about the actual what happens in the miracle? Mm-hmm. Well, it's like There's the, a different purpose in the miracles, it seems. Well, and think, I mean, just miracle sign concerns well, the servants the knew what happened, but nobody else did. Okay, I got that. But I mean, in the this actual. Is, you, what you, you, you guys keep saying that, that nobody, like this was a private miracle. Well, because. I mean, wouldn't, not, wouldn't the whole crowd know after a period of time through word of mouth? Well, Eventually, it, it but, did spread. Well. But look what it says, right? What does it say? When the master did, uh, okay. So when the master of the feast, well, let's walk through. So now there are six stone jars. Jewish rites for purification, like you, Tom, brought up. Each one holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, "Fill the jars with water." They filled them up, and then he says to them, "Now draw some out. Take it to the master of the feast." They took it to the master of the feast, and when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, so notice he doesn't know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. So you never see that anybody else really, and he said to them, everyone serves good wine first, and when the people had drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine to now. This is the first sign Jesus did in Cali and manifested the and his disciples believed him. So we know his disciples knew what he did, but it was only, it's the servants who, you don't hear, don't go tell anybody, you don't hear other other people hearing that he did this. So that's what I mean by it's it's very, it's not recorded, which is interesting, it's not, a lot of these other ones are recorded in the other Gospels, this one's not. 
So, anyway, going back. So if you want somebody to spread a rumor, you tell the servants. <laughs> well, not here, though. Here, I think Chad's more right here, is that by the servants of the lowest class, Sir, they're probably not going to... Oh, they're going to talk amongst themselves, and it's going to spread and spread and spread. Maybe, maybe not. It's pretty good oh, gossip. Absolutely. It's yeah. fantastic oh, gossip. But what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is you don't see... That's not said here. We don't know that they actually want to start telling us. That's it. But, but later, <laughs> but, but later in Scripture, it is, it is referenced that that was spoken of. People would speak of what he had done there. Uh, not this specific one that I know of, unless you find that. I've seen that yeah. somewhere. Start watching the video here, and then return when it's the video is done to one hour, nine minutes, and 40 seconds on this audio. Going back to the, the point here, what? think of the signs and miracles you just thought about. This is wine. This isn't somebody's life or sight okay. or, or right. you know, healing somebody or raising somebody from the dead. It it's is not... like feeding the 5,000 because it's changing yeah, some it's food into some other food. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think that's unique because I mean, so changing something to something else. Yeah. yeah. So I want you guys to think about it. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Think about what happens. This... Are you going to do it? No, this is... So I try to make something look like stone. You're going to have to imagine here. Stone, right? I'm going to tell everybody on okay. Facebook that you just turned water Okay, no, just, just okay. Water so I want you to get the idea of what happened. My question, what's so different about the sign? So you have water. What does Jesus do? Jesus pours the water into the cup. Into the big Into cups. the jar. The big jar, right? And then... To the brim. Well, yeah, I could pour it to the brim. No, but the scripture said to the okay. brim. Okay. Well, <laughs> all right. Keep pouring. You're going to make him There strong. we go. We good? Yeah, we're good. <laughs> all right. You guys good? All right. Okay, and then what does he do? What happens next? So he pours it in there. What happens? It becomes wine. No, what happens? Read the story. What happens? The servants distributed the wine and... So what happened uh, now? There are six stones in the Jewish okay. purifications. Uh, every uh, for each twenty gallons, blah blah blah. Uh, he, uh, the servants filled the jars with water and they filled them up to the to brim, brim just and now and draw out some. Okay, and take so now, the of the feast. okay, so now, Bruce is going to be the mouse of the feast. Okay, hey, go, Bruce. You're the mouse of the feast. Okay, so he takes some, right? And what does he do? Draws it out. He draws it out. Uh-huh. Whoa. I knew it. Uh-huh. And what does he oh, make there, Bruce? Oh, Greg. coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Messiah. Go ahead. You what is it? It's wine. What is it? It's wine. Okay. Good job. Is it real? It, it really is wine. Yes. You what? have to believe. You better believe the master of the... Okay? You don't have anybody else. It's not it's fake. It's, it's real wine. The, the other stuff, right? Yeah. Okay, Greg. So... Now, okay, uh, now I want you to think there's something different here about, than any other sign or miracle that Jesus performs. Is it good wine? Was it good wine, Chris? 
Yeah, that's a good one. There's water down. <laughs> How could you say it's not? <laughs> it was water down. Kind of water. I want you to think. No, it wasn't water Think down. about what is well, missing. Then you did <laughs> <laughs> What is missing in this equation? We go from water to wine. What is missing? There's something missing in between, everybody. To go from water to wine, you have to have what? Grapes. grapes. You have to have grapes. Okay. You have to have grapes. And not only that, this is what? This did it say it's grape juice? No, it says wine. It says wine. It has to ferment. What's the difference between very it has to what? Say it again, Jason? Ferment over time. Exactly. So there is no other miracle that Jesus ever performs is anything like this. Because he is taking something and he is making something out of what? Nothing. He's taking a complete new substance and he's it's something that's completely missing. You have water. For water to become wine, it's not like making more bread or making more fish. It is he is taking something and he's making something he's not multiplying. That's right. He is making something new. You could even say his miracles, raising from the dead. He resuscitates. He's taking something dead. He's it's already was alive. You, you take the withering hand. You take all these other things. It's from something that Jesus does something. But here, he is taking something and making something new yeah. out of nothing. That doesn't. That's not there. Right. No grapes. So this miracle is of uh, the first one that John records. It is setting up ultimately that Jesus does something <laughs> new, new, and very good. He says, "I've come to do something new." Excellent. Mm. If you guys remember Isaiah, oh, remember how about, Isaiah? Yes. Well, we got the old wines that's been in Isaiah. Mm -hmm. God says, "I something am coming new. to make something new." new. You have not seen. Mm -hmm. yeah. Good point. So that's what is grapes. Jesus? He's not something. What? Pass the grapes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> have some grapes. We're good, actually. I've been eating them all day. <laughs> 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 and he even says that. Let me walk straight. I have not been drinking the wine all day. I just made that right well, now. Well, it hasn't so. been time to ferment. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> <with> grapes. <laughs> you know, today I looked up. Um, I Googled Cana Winery, and there is one. It's in Middleburg, Virginia. Husband and wife, seven acres. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's a good name for a winery. Yeah. He says, I come to make all things new, too, right? Right. Very good. Was Isaiah, what is that? Isaiah 4, um, Isaiah, um, well, he's also said in Revelation that the different yeah. things. Isaiah 43, 18. Yeah, where did I have it? Oh, my gosh. My notes. Oh, 40, Isaiah. Um, yeah, Isaiah 42, 9 and 43, 19 are the two places that God says, I'm doing something new now. 49. So I think 42, 9 and 43, 19. Um is where he's, where he's, in Isaiah, where he says that I'm making something new. So if you think about, I mean, 
think about it for you guys since you become Christians. Can you think of what has God done that's new for you? For me personally? Yeah, he's taken something from nothing, in essence, in your life. A lot of times we went, oh, we've got these things in our life, and God's going to, like, you know, solely get rid of this and solely make this better. But I'm wondering, can you ever think of something that you can just sort of say, God did something really new here, mm. that he just created something entirely new? Can you think of anything in your life when you, I don't know, I mean, I did, whatever example, can you think of an example where it's like, wow. I never saw this coming. <laughs> God just totally did something I wasn't expecting in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything. Name one. I mean, just name. Yeah. John. You made me an artist. <laughs> made you an artist. <laughs> Blew you, me away. Really? I had no, no idea I was an artist or could paint. Oh. I could paint, but I did it so I could make a living as an artist. Huh? That wasn't that good. I took nothing in school. Wow. Because I didn't think I was very good. Wow. What I was lacking was a good teacher, and I found one. He mm-hmm. led me to one here at the college, and all of a sudden it changed my life. Mm-hmm. I was able to do it because I it was explained in a way mm-hmm. that uh, I could comprehend and execute and make saleable art for the second half of my life. It was, that's, that's was a miracle, uh, yeah. a dream come true. Mm-hmm. Very Minor easy. miracle, but nevertheless, that, no, you say to that, me, for would, me, it was the miracle of my life. Yeah, <clears throat> would you say it's uh, a gift that he shifted in you into a new direction, and your gift was always there, just dormant at a time, and then he... Well, if it was, new, it was very well hidden. <laughs> okay. yeah. No, I, I no the new part seems that to be, it was and you're able to now shift a whole new perspective of, hey, I'm going to be an artist now. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It was very cool. Mm. Was very cool. Totally guys, anybody else think of something you could say, like, Jesus, something new? Yeah, I mean, it's just similar to John. Just, like, I never thought I would work at a church. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I definitely never had any plan of that whatsoever. Yeah. But well said, Chad. Also, just, like, it, 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 I have a desire for a lot of things I, I didn't. Like, yeah. a desire just to, like, to deeply contemplate his word and not just take it on a surface level. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I, I'll second that with you because I mean, I, no way did I know in my twenties throughout my whole life until I was 28. Did I have any inkling that I would ever be a pastor? Didn't right. even have, Thank didn't you. even cross my mind. I mean, I wasn't brought up religiously. I thought I was going to be maybe a psychologist. Um, and then I was in technology mm-hmm. Never ever thought that to me. There's just no way that I ever thought. There was nothing in my life that would have said you're going to be a pastor someday. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah. Never. I mean, for me, it's even more shocking because it's not just like oh, the, the job of pastor. It's just like the actual things that I do on a daily basis now. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. But now I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How about anybody else? But you can think of something that just. Really new, Jason. You had an example of something just out of sort of nothing. Yeah, I mean, again, many, many. The thing about in terms of you see Jesus and you see He's done this in your life that you just never expected. Besides the very fact that you're sitting here right now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's funny. I um, 
today had suffix Sarah with some car stuff and the mechanic was getting my updated address. And the last time I've been in there, uh, the address that he had, it hit me really quick, just, just that, like, you know, as if it was just boom, boom, you know, then now, hmm. all those, that, that time span sort of hadn't existed. It really wasn't very long ago, and it's just a totally different life, hmm. just completely different life, new life, and, uh, yeah, new, just new creation. Hmm. There's been a lot of other, you know, very yeah. vision-type situations that were like, bam, like, you know, super wild experiences that God would take me through that uh, you never expected to have happen. That, mm-hmm. but lots, lots of that. But kind of bigger picture, filling that vessel up with wine instead of water. And, uh, yeah, it's a... Yeah, I think in terms of having the Lord, I mean, what we're talking about is mm-hmm. changing directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, possibly. And, and I can see where he's he's he changed my direction and a couple of times saved my life mm. uh, as far as um, relationships that I would have chosen for myself where God intervened in and and change the direction of my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Turns out we're not very good at picking good relationships <laughs> by ourselves. Well, he <laughs> saved me from a couple right. of relationships. <laughs> <Right. laughs> it would have been disastrous yeah. if I yeah. continued with them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can attest, yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Anybody else as far as things you can think of that just... Can I ask a question? Um, I'm not being critical. I'm just curious. How does this relate to what we're... Because what did we just talk about that Jesus did? Jesus took something of nothing and made something new out of it. Completely new. Yeah, completely different. Like, there's a missing substance. It's not like... It's not like the miracle of bread and food where he just took it and multiplied it. Okay, I get that. Okay? So my question is, that's what Jesus, my illustri- my question really revolves around this idea of God doing something, not just progressing something in your life or taking away something, but doing something just new. Like he did from water to wine, you saw, man, look how fast that happened. Boom. And there's something missing. I didn't even have that substance. And all of a sudden we have wine. So is there something in your life that God did that's new like that, that just... Um, uh, nothing, almost, you could say, God did something in your life that you didn't see coming. Um, I mean, I like, as an example, like for me, when I became a Christian, he took my idea of sex, <laughs> very bluntly, and he literally, when I accepted Christ, I can look back on that and go, I had this whole idea of sex before I was a Christian, and I can look back and go, when I actually accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior in 1986 in January, I watched a month later, and I go, oh my gosh. That was my evidence that Jesus did something inside of me. He completely changed my view of sex. and But that's even still taking sex, okay? It's not necessarily completely new. Um, so I'm just trying to get an idea if there's anything that you can think of in your life that, that like he did something to just 
Boom. Yeah, that's where I got it from. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As far as the question. Yeah. He uh, did something new for me. Um, I wouldn't be here if he didn't do this, because I know it wasn't me. But long story short, not a really good relationship with the Lord. Kind of my third time giving it a whirl. And then um, <laughs> in the shower, I had read something about this thing called, you know, a friend of mine had prayed for me on a Sunday. So three days later, oddly enough, I was in the shower praying on my hands and knees and just kind of saying thank you. I didn't really have anything to say, but I remember, hey, I want the, this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know what that is exactly. I just read one of his books, but could you, what is, could you share that with me? And something happened during that time in the shower and um, I was uttering something under my breath and then I remember asking telling myself I want to hear what I'm saying mm. and then for about 15 minutes something that at that age and that time I don't speak anything else other than English and Ebonics and that's about it and then for 15 minutes in the shower wow. that happened and I knew something happened. Mm. You know, I, I knew something shifted, made something that was, I, I did not have a good relationship with God for many years, to now all of a sudden, he's real. Mm. And mm. I got to tell everybody about Jesus, yet I don't know any scripture, or at least enough to tell anybody anything. But mm. I remember opening up the shower door and calling my friend, and I said, this is, I, I, I wow. like, blind now see kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's so, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been here if that was, uh, if that didn't happen, because uh, I, I needed something besides, oh, let me walk you through, the, the, you know, let me walk you through John Tom, and you'll be in there for you. <laughs> totally. Yeah. But that was a, yeah, some of the kids need some of the things that happened, yeah. and I haven't looked back since. I had something super new happen the other day, actually. So now that people are now the wheels are turning, but <laughs> I had something that was totally new. Um, that was really cool. So I'm I've been contemplating this this idea of uh, you know relativity of everything, but where we are and where God is. And a few years ago, God sat me up and said, in my sleep, sat me up and said, you know I'm always with you. Now I want you to be with me. Mm. Okay, so the way I took that at that point was like, you know, I, I, he wants me to be, you know, with him in my heart. I consciously, you know, there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what's being shown to me more recently, though, is this idea of uh, having your mind set in the heavens. Okay? So where is God? Right? Like, physically, right? Like, is, where's that throne that Isaiah mm -hmm. visited? Okay? And I want you to be with me where I am. You'll still be here, but I want your 
consciousness. I want your heart. I want your mind. I want you with me. Yeah. Okay? So, i playing with that. And a few days ago, I was, um, I was, I don't know what, distracted in the morning and so on and so forth. And I was just kind of frustrated with myself. And I, I finally said, Father, and so there's an answer. And then just kind of said, hey, we're going we're gonna to spend the day together. And not just superficially, not just, you know, in spirit sort of thing, but like, like we're talking here now all day long. And, and at first I was, my mind would start to, and he coached me through how to refocus. You know, literally, like, close the window, turn on the AC, do, the, do this, do whatever, right? Like, in great detail. Like, there was, I mean, we were having a full-on interactive conversation like I was getting taught like never before mm. and on everything that God needed me to know and what I was curious about and even like why am I why do I think that why do I do this all this just just here's why and things I never even considered never thought of never even I mean it was just absolutely incredible all day long so and um I've just been a little too exhausted to, to get this. So we're, we're checking in through the day. But that was like nothing I'd ever mm. experienced. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That was a new thing. Yeah. Mm. That's cool. All right. Well, good. Anybody else? Or just we'll sort of close. And... I have one more kind of cool thing yeah. to share. It's not, it's not my life, but it's mm-hmm. worth sharing because it's very close to all of us here. And Jason knows this, but one of the kids in the youth group, Gavin, and I've shared this with you, is just, mm-hmm. Like, his testimony, like, it speaks, like, exactly to this. And, you know, he, like, just randomly starts coming to youth group last year. Like, out of nowhere. I, 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 knew, I knew his dad was. I knew his, like, through some other people that he, his family, he grew up in a Christian home. But I basically knew he was kind of, like, out on church and youth group and didn't want any part of it. And so he comes, and, like, the first time he comes to youth group, he is, like, both feet in, like, citing all these scriptures, reading all this stuff. And it feels like he's been, like, just into this for for years. And he's, like, so on fire for scripture. And then when he tells his testimony, he goes, Oh, yeah, I grew up in, like, a Christian home my whole life. But, like, basically at the point where I totally checked out, and people asked me if I was a Christian at school, I'd say, Well, like, my family was church, but no, like, I don't believe that. And his whole story is I was laying on my bed one night, and a fly was bothering me, and it kept bothering me. I kept swatting in, it bothered me. And then I thought, you know what, maybe I feel like God's calling, maybe God's real. And maybe this flies like God, and no one's going to come back. And huh. it, it's like funny, but it's... Wow, I know, but it's like real, but like, right? I, I know this kid really well, like, yeah. I mean, I hang out with him a couple times a week. And he's like, yeah, I felt that, then I opened scripture, and I realized this is a living word of God. And then I just started reading it all the time, every day. And then I started telling people at school that I believe in Jesus and telling them that this is why I believe in Jesus because a fly bothered me and that I started to read the Bible and realized it's the Lord of the flies. I love it. <laughs> oh. And, and you have him going around doing this all the time and sharing his testimony, by the way, with like random kids all oh, the time. Oh, I know. I thought about having him come to. <laughs> and, 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 it, and it's amazing because yeah. you can't, you can't say that, oh, this came from another person or this, right. this love for the Lord came from anything else or any other motivation because it's just, it's a fly that was bugging that's, him. That, that's that, what I call something I had to do. It, it, and it, I mean, wow. what's been crazy for me to see is I met him the first time he came to youth group and saw this. And he, 
you know, we all seen people maybe who who feel something and, and feel Jesus' presence, and then it just kind of dies out. But I've just seen this like constant escalation with it. You know, where he's like, I'll go down and see. He's a lifeguard. I will go see him, and he's talking about the other lifeguard guys, and it's just crazy how Jesus started this from that, and, and how clearly it, it's just from Jesus and nothing else. Like that, no one can possibly take credit for this. <laughs> that's for sure. But Jesus, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, those 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 well, are the stories that keep him going. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's wow. rad. All right. Hey, you want to close with some prayer? We'll... Volunteers? God bless. Bruce! <laughs> the master of the feast. <laughs> I love Jason. You... <laughs> Go ahead, Bruce. <laughs> Lord, uh, we come before you tonight, and we're so thankful that we can share your word and um, be in fellowship with each other. Um, please bless each one of us as we leave tonight. And thank you for your word, Lord. Amen. 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 Amen.